Welcome everyone. We are passionate at Church Alive, helping people fulfill God's potential for their lives. And that means developing, building, coaching, inspiring leaders. And so I hope you'll have a leaning factor that today you can grow. Today you can take on a new mentality, a new mindset. And as you allow God to prune you, lift you, other people to inspire you, learn from you, you can become all that God has destined you to become. Praise God. We love you, Lord. We love you, God. Go ahead and grab your seat. Go ahead. Thank you, worship team. We've been in a series in our church called Freedom, and um, we've really talked about sometimes that freedom kind of feels like it's out there somewhere, like out far away, it's distant. If you were in high school, often you thought freedom was when high school ended. Isn't that funny that you kind of like, I <laughs> just <laughs> high school, like <laughs> you, you just had this sense that, that somehow high school was holding you back and then you got a job, you're like, well, high school was actually pretty good. <laughs> you mean I don't get 20 minutes break now to just hang out with my buddies? And then two hours later, you mean I don't get another hour just to play sports in the middle of the day? And, you, and, you, and your boss was like, no. And then sometimes you might think to yourself, I just can't wait till I retire. Like I just, you know, you dream of retirement. And to be honest, when you dream of retirement, you kind of think of heaven. You don't really think of heaven, but you kind of think it's gonna be heaven. And then you're like, I'm gonna retire, it's gonna be amazing. And then you just realize you're old. <laughs> I love you, but let's be honest. Like, like sometimes freedom is somewhere out there, isn't it? We found out that it is a journey. We found out, It is a process. It is promised by God Himself, but He is the one who holds it. And so often though that this sense of freedom, there is a cry in the heart of humanity that we desire freedom, but often that freedom kind of can be perverted if we're really honest. And and we can look at it as, man, I'm gonna be free. And then you realise one day, like if you did everything you think to do that is freedom, you realise you'd be in jail. Like if you ever walk by a bank, you're like, oh, I could just freely just rub it. And you found out that you were not free to do whatever you wanted to do. And some of you and and, and many of you that I know personally have found out that in your 20s and 30s, you thought freedom was doing whatever you wanted to do and feeding every pleasure. And then you found out later that it wasn't as freeing and for some reason you couldn't stop. And you found out it broke your life. But I want to talk to you today along this line, the necessity of trust. If you like to take notes, I believe that you'll have a special place in heaven. It'll be that place where you get sprinkles of blessing even more so than it's already going to be there. And so I hope you're here to learn. And if you're not here to learn, well, I hope you'll just listen and pretend. But I want to talk to you about the necessity of, of trust I brought out a $20 bill in the first service and um, the note is a $20 bill and the dude on there is Franklin, no, sorry, Jackson. And I said his name was Franklin Jackson and someone who's a educator was like, can you please tell your pastor it's actually not Franklin Jackson. Uh, I think it's Adam Jackson, Andrew Jackson. There you go, I still don't even know. Okay, I get a pass, I'm Australian, whatever. <laughs> I just remember Jim Carrey saying, I believe you know my friends. 
Franklin Grant and Jackson. Dumb and Dumber, if you haven't seen it, check it out. It's been a while. But the line on the note says, in God we trust. In God we trust, it is the value, it was at least a inherent value of American culture that we kind of said, in God we trust. And I really wanna talk to you about in God I trust. Because it's far more important that we say in God I trust than in God we trust because sometimes I've found that our faith, actually if you grew up as a Catholic or you grew up as a Christian or you grew up as that, your faith can very much lean on your mum and dad's faith instead of a personal relationship of your own faith. And so you might say as a family in God we trust, but the real deal will be, is it in God you trust? It must be individual God does not just save families, He saves individuals, but those individuals who get saved can believe for the blessing of God and salvation over whole entire families. Do you believe for that? Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six is one of those bathroom scriptures. It is a great Instagram kind of social media moment where you post it like, oh, isn't that cute, isn't that lovely? Like I just find sometimes, don't you, that our, our, our quotes and our things, I mean, they're just so nice and flowery and you're like, oh my gosh, they're so nice and flowery. It makes me feel good. But it is the walking out of our faith, isn't it? To trust in the Lord with how much of your heart? All of your heart. And then it says this, and this is the challenge, I believe, and don't lean on your own understanding. Now this doesn't mean be dumb or doesn't mean don't get educated, but when you disagree with God, guess who's wrong? And let me give you a hint on this answer of multiple choice. It isn't God. I do have a conviction as a Jesus follower that if I disagree with Jesus, someone's wrong. And I kind of have this, this philosophy and this conviction that it's me. <laughs> and I hope I can lead you along that same path that, because I think if you came back from the dead, I'd listen to you as well. <laughs> Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all of your ways or just like some of them. This is where Facebook starts to be not as popular. Or social media, like, what do you mean all of my ways? All of them. Oh, but what about that way? All of them. What about when it's uncomfortable? All of them. What about when it's really convenient? All of them. What about what's not convenient? All of them. Which ones? All of them. So where I go, all of them. What I spend money on, all of them. What do you mean? And all of a sudden, this is a great family picture verse. But how many know this is all of a sudden challenging your mind and your heart and your actions and what you do. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall what? He's gonna direct your path. I believe that God speaks. I believe that, that, that when the writers of Scripture closed the book, they didn't just say, okay, now it's only the Bible. God wants to speak to you. God desires to speak to you. You are, He is the shepherd and He is, you are the sheep, father and and child relationship. However, when you say God has spoken to me, you better check His book. Can I encourage you to check the book? Can I encourage you to check the maker of the book, the creator of the book? 
Why 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says all Scripture, it says is God breathed. And it's useful, it says, for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. It says, so that, so that the man of God or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped, it says, for every good work. So what am I gonna do if I'm a Jesus follower? And how many know that freedom and trust is a process? It's a journey and, and uh, how many of you, you trusted Jesus for a moment and then later you untrusted Him? And then you trusted Him and you're like, oh, I'm not sure, I don't wanna trust you here. And you trusted and you untrusted. But haven't you noticed that when you trust and then untrust, you start to learn the lesson of untrust and untrust isn't that good. It seems good for a moment, but then later, you bear the fruit of it. Trust is that firm belief in the reliability, the truth, the ability or strength of someone or something. To trust God though is depending on God's character and word so much so that I walk the path of the obedient. I wanna jump into a text of scripture that we've kind of been in for a while. It's around that Exodus portion of scripture where Moses has taken the children of Israel out of Egypt by God's mighty hand. He has taken them through the desert and then he doesn't fulfill all that God has for him. He misses out on the promised land, but then Joshua comes along, his successor, and then he takes them into the promised land. Someone say promised land. Come on, say promised land. And the promised land is the place of promise. It's the place of blessing. It is the place of freedom. It is where they've always wanted to be. But strangely, the place of promise and the place of freedom and the place of the the promised land still had its own journey of freedom. So they walk into the promised land and then they surround this city called Jericho. And the Bible says that Jericho theologians tell us that its walls were literally so big that they would have chariot races on the walls, that really it was like this impenetrable wall. And then God gives a divine strategy. He literally says, listen, uh, it's like the army and kind of, you know, Joshua's generals go up to Joshua like, Joshua, so what should we do? Should we build a battering ram? Should we just bust through this wall and keep on doing that for a couple of months and finally, we'll, 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 should we starve them on out? He's like, no, no, we're just gonna walk around the city. You're gonna walk around walls. Yeah, we're gonna do it one time, then we're gonna do it again, then we'll do it again. We're gonna do that for six days and then on the seventh day, here's what we're gonna do. You ready? You ready for it? Battering rams, Joshua? He's like, no, no, no battering rams. We're gonna walk around it seven times. And then we're gonna shout. And then we're gonna blow a ram's horn and and the walls are gonna fall down. And here's what's amazing. God gives them the specific strategy, but He doesn't give them this strategy, but it's a leadership strategy. Is Joshua literally says to the children of Israel, listen, shut up. Don't talk. Why? Because He was there when their talk got them in trouble and made them wander around for 40 years. He was there, so he was smart enough to go, Moses let people talk. (laughs) For seven days, we're gonna play the quiet game. You ever done that, parents? We're gonna play something called the quiet game. Whoever's the quietest, the longest, wins. 
And how many you know that it lasts 45 seconds and you're just looking for seven minutes of silence? And, and Joshua literally says, if you talk, you're gonna die because I'm sick of wandering around the wilderness. And then they do what Joshua says and the presence of God goes before them and they shout and the walls knock down. But guess what? They run in and they literally take down the city and then there's gold and there's silver and there's blessing there. There's gold and there's silver and there's blessing. This is the first city that they have to walk into in the promised land. And here's the thing, God says, don't touch it. You're like, but God, it's the first city. It's my first like promotion. I just got a job. This is their first job. And he says, don't touch it. Give that city to me. And how many know there's always naughty people? Come on, how many know there's always naughty people in the crowd? Not you, I'm talking about online people. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about the person next to you. I'm, I really am. And there was a naughty person and what did he do? He coveted and he, he said, listen, here's what he says in Joshua 7 verse 20, Achan replied, who was the naughty one, it says, it is true, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. This is what I've done. When I saw, someone say, when I saw, when I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe, like one of the hotels, white with little, little words on it from Babylonia. How many of you have been to Babylonia? All right, let's keep moving. 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels. I coveted them and I, I took them. Here's what I know about trust. Trust is tangible. Trust is not a philosophy. Trust is not just ethereal. It's not just out there somewhere. Trust is tangible. And here's what I've no, noticed about God. God wants you to trust Him, not just in the eternal, but in the tangible. What is the tangible? It's the things that you touch, the things that you see. And He says, listen, this is the first city. And here's the deal. He says, I want the first city. Here's what's so rude about God. God thinks he's God. He thinks he's a king and he thinks he's worthy of kingly treatment. So he has to teach his kids how to treat him like a kid, sorry, a king instead of a pauper on the street. And so the first city says, that's mine. But here's what I've also noticed about God is God sees you in a month, God sees you in a year, God sees you in months from now and years from now and God knows the blessings that are coming. So here's what God does. He says, can you trust me in the tangible? Can you give your first to me, your best to me? Why? Because I will bless the rest. Come on, am I speaking to anyone today? I, I can bless you in the rest. I think we've got a little more fog than normal. I feel like we're seeing a glory cloud of the Old Testament here today. Jesus is showing up. It's just for our YouTube audience. It helps them see better. I just wanna let you know. God wants you to trust Him in the tangible, the physical. Why? Because where your treasure is, He says, there your heart is. He doesn't say where your heart is, there your treasure is. No, He says where your treasure is, there your heart follows. Have you ever invested in some stock? You didn't care about the company? And then all of a sudden you invested in it. You're like, oh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Haven't you noticed that your heart followed where your treasure went? And if the company went up, you're like, wee! 
And if it went down, you're like, boo. <laughs> Why does God want you to trust him in the tangible? He doesn't just want you to trust him in the eternal, but the tangible. Are you with me? Can you trust him in the tangible? Can you trust God in relationships? To say to some single people, hey, God has someone special for you. Like, are we? What's that? That's a promise. But then later, a couple of months later, you're like, oh, I'm still single. Why am I still single? (laughs) This is getting awkward. And maybe months go by, maybe a few years go by, and then all of a sudden, everyone who's walking looks more attractive. Because when you're first single, your standards are up here, aren't they? They're, they're high. It's like, oh my gosh, they have to be a billionaire. They have to be like a, like, like a men's health cover of a magazine and all kinds of different stuff. And then lady, like, I mean, he has some teeth. You're like, I mean, who needs a job? He doesn't need a job. I'll sponsor him. Just watch out. (laughs) But can you trust God in the tangible? But can you trust God in the relationships of your life? The largest decision you will ever make outside of following God is who you choose in marriage. Listen, when you're single, like, oh my gosh, I just can't wait to be married. Listen, if you choose the wrong person, you will not be able to wait to get out. And, and, and so often I find in, in trusting Jesus, one of the people in our church that, that I knew this person was praying a lot for this, for like, oh Lord, and, and Lord, and Lord, and Lord, and Lord, and Lord. And it's amazing, recently I've seen the promise starting to be fulfilled in this person's life. And I'm like, oh my goodness, God, you're so good. Because you can tell that it's like God seemed to hand pick this one person and bring it to this one person. I'm like, my goodness, there couldn't be a better match. But how many know there was probably temptation along the journey to choose buffhead and 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 in debt and all kinds of different mess? Now I'm not talking about perfection, right? Some would say progress, some would say growth. Because some guys are like, well, I just kind of want like Mother Teresa and then like Kim Kardashian. And if she's a billionaire, that's okay too. <laughs> and you're like, wait, wait, your standard is up here, but you don't have a job. <laughs> right? <laughs> can you trust God in relationships? Can you try, if you're married in here, can you trust Him to build the marriage? Can you trust him to build it? God says, love and respect one another, forgive quickly. Can I just suggest this? If you just do those three things, you'll be fine. Love, respect, forgive. And then do it again. And then do it again. And then do it three times. And then when you're done doing it three times, do it four times. (laughs) And then when you're done doing it four times, do it five times. And then when you're done doing it for five months, do it for 10 months. Love and respect and forgive. And love and respect and forgive. You're like, what's the secret to marriage? Love and respect and forgive. 
They're like, no, no, no. What's the real secret? Eh, love and respect and forgive. Like, no, no, no. You don't understand. I need secrets. <laughs> I need just this. What's the down low? What's the secret? That's the secret. Actually, your commitment to love and your commitment to respect and your commitment to forgive makes you a loving, respectful, forgiving person. And haven't you found that loving, forgiving, for, uh, respectful people generally have a good marriage? Like I've never had anyone uh, come up to me and say, Pastor, I uh, just want to let you know she's too loving. She's too kind. She's too patient. The fruit of the Spirit. She's like, I just have too much of the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. It's like, she's got all those fruits. He's got all of those fruits. You're like, no one's ever said that. Not once in all of humanity has anyone ever said, they're just too loving. I want someone who beats me. Sorry, I'm just getting a little far here. Come on, can you have some fun in church? Something like, yes, but not that much fun. <laughs> can you trust God in the tangible? Can you trust God in relationships? Can you trust Him with your morals? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. A better translation of this in the culture setting that we're in is trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on culture's morals. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Have you ever read the Bible and go, God, that's kind of old fashioned? This side of the room hasn't. I reckon this side of the room has. Have you ever read the Bible and just go, kind of, Lord, I mean, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it's 2020. Oh, it's 2019, oh, it's 2018, oh, it's 2017. I mean, I was saying this is 17. So that means the conversation has never changed. And I guarantee 100 years ago, some people thought some of the morals in the Bible were old-fashioned. But here's the thing, rewind 2,000 years and they thought it was old-fashioned. Rewind 3,000 3, years and the Israelites still thought at different times that God's morals were old-fashioned. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't lean on your own reasoning. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him. And what's He gonna do? He's gonna give you this amazing promise where He is going to direct your paths. Let me say this just regarding just morals and, and so forth. It is, it's amazing to me that when you throw out morality, what ends up being replaced It is amazing, I, I think that your trusting God should affect your morals. I really believe this. You know, recently, I would say this around this election time and so forth, and I, I wanna let you know there's two weeks before election, I guess, or something like that, and some of you already voted, so I'm not even trying to just influence our church to vote right. Especially because some of you were, let's be honest, some of you were first-time guests or second-time guests, and it would take seven years of teaching for you to go from one part to the next. Because there's complicated issues and there's different issues and there's moral issues and there's all kinds of stuff. However, I will say this, when it comes to um, government, is this, 
is that one of the things I've heard people say a lot is, oh, wouldn't it be amazing if this person got elected? And I'm like, wait, are you choosing your gender over who should be elected? Or are you choosing your race over who should be elected? It doesn't matter. I, I, I don't care person's white, black, Hispanic, Middle Eastern. You know what I really want? I don't care if they're male or female. You know what generally I would choose? I would choose someone, not even someone, but a party that, that at least tries to, not perfectly, but does not reject God's morals. That's generally what I would do. I promise you that. Listen to Scripture, Proverbs 29 verse 2 says this, when the righteous thrive, the people rejoice, but when the wicked rule, the people groan. And I don't even believe you should choose the candidate on their personality. I don't believe you should choose them on their debating skills. I don't even know if so much it's the person that you're choosing as it is the whole political party that you're actually choosing And I'll also say this, that sometimes I've heard people say, I don't wanna vote because I don't wanna vote for the lesser of two evils. On the ballot, it's not like Jesus. (laughs) So you're always choosing to some degree the lesser of two evils and hopefully the more of good, always. Like, and you're also not choosing a pastor, right, a spiritual leader. Um, I heard this recently and this is why I wanna say it and I'm not gonna say the leader. I heard a leader say recently in a high governmental position, not even saying the position, (laughs) just trying to do the delicate dance. Sorry, stop. My wife's like, stop it. What is, what is he doing? Just trying to learn the tango. Just, that's not the tango. Anyone want to give me dancing lessons later? You can. <laughs> I heard a governmental leader say this, that he thinks that um, it, an eight-year-old boy should be able to transition to a girl if he wants to. Eight and 10. I don't let my kids choose what show they watch. I don't let them choose what they eat. If my children said to me, Daddy, I never wanna go to school again. I'd be like, who cares what you think? You're in my house, like. To say that you would let children choose their sexuality is one of the grossest betrayals of the image of God I've ever heard of. But it's it's becoming such part of the conversation in our culture that we don't realize how far we've gone and we're doing a social experiment on people's body parts that it's weird, like I sound like an extremist talking about it. 
Romans chapter one says, when you disregard God's law, God's commands, you become futile in your mind and you literally become a fool. We gotta trust God in the tangible. We gotta trust God in our relationships. We gotta trust God in our morals. We gotta trust God. Let me just say this last one. I wish I could spend some more time on this, but I won't. You gotta trust God for your health. Trust God for your health. Hebrews chapter 10 says this, verse 24 says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I thank God for our online platform and many of you here because of that. I believe we're always gonna do an online service, but I would just say more than anything else, being part of the house of God is not consuming a service. It's not just hearing worship and hearing a message because I can listen to 74 messages in the next seven days. But who did I encourage? Who did I smile at? Who did I shake their hand? Who did I hug? Who, did, who was I next to? Who was I close to? Like, let us encourage one another. I can't do that online. And there's something lost when, when, our, when really sometimes our laziness can actually cause us to say, well, I'm online and I am afraid of a Christianity because let me give you this instruction. I'm not shaming anyone. I'm teaching people. You know, sometimes people think you're shaming them if you just tell them they're doing something wrong. You're like, wait, no, 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 I'm not shaming you at all. I'm teaching you. This is what Scripture says. I'm just gonna take a moment to teach what Scripture says. Because here's the thing, all Scriptures God breathed and God wrote this almost 2,000 years ago. So to, in, the, in the history of church, you know, for 2,000 years, sometimes if you went to church, they kill you. And he still said it. How, how rude is God? How, God, I mean, I go to church and they cut my head off. He's like, yeah, I think you should still go. Really? That's a little extreme, God. He's like, yeah, I'm extreme. Why? Because you trust God every time you drive your car. Trust God when you get on a plane. Trust God when you eat Chinese food. Some of you know that's right. You're just like, yeah, I'm trusting. I'm not visiting the bathroom all day tomorrow. I'm trusting you, Jesus. My poor wife, my, has to put up with so much of me. <laughs> I wanna read a scripture to you, Psalm 91 verse one as I close today. Psalm 91 says, whoever, someone say whoever. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Come on, stand to your feet. I want you to declare this with me. Say with me, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. 
I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the foulest snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. Let me skip on down a couple of verses. The Bible says this in verse nine, if you say, say that with me, if you say, the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent for He will command His angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. Verse 16 says this, with, with long life, say it with me, with long life, I will satisfy Him and show Him my salvation. What's the key to that? Trust, trust. He who dwells, trust, trust. Come on, close your eyes with me. Father, I thank You. Truly, I thank You, it is an honour to declare Your Word is an honour to speak in front of people. It is an honour, Father, and I thank You for it. But I pray, Holy Spirit, that You would just breathe upon these moments, Lord, in minds and in hearts, that You would take, Lord, in this sanctuary, in our kids' church, in online today, in everything that we do. Father, I pray You'd breathe upon it. Let a special touch of grace be upon it where people need it. Lord, to trust You in the tangible, to trust You in relationships. Give people wisdom, give people grace. Speak to them where they need it personally. Lord, in marriages, in single people, in dating people. Father, Lord, let people trust You today. Lord, in the morals that they choose and they hold up to a high value. Let people trust You. Lord, in Jesus' Name, in our health, God, I pray for the sick right now. I pray for anyone watching online that would be dealing with sickness and disease. I ask You, Lord, to reach Your hand into their homes and heal them in their heart, in Jesus' Name, in minds, in bodies, in anxiousness, in every way. I thank You in advance, in Jesus' Name, with eyes closed. You may be here today. You may not know if you've ever trusted Jesus. You may think to yourself, Anthony, I, I need to clean up my life before I come to Jesus. Actually, the essence of trusting Jesus is to simply trust Him that He forgives you, that He desires you, that you're a child of God. The Bible says very clearly, those who trust in Him shall be forgiven. Those who trust in Him shall be justified. Those who trust in Him, He then cleans you up later as you submit to His Word. But the essence of salvation is to trust Him, not your ability to change your life, not your ability to clean yourself up. So I'm gonna ask you, as we close our eyes together, and if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, if you wanna walk away from perhaps just a family faith to your individual trust, if you wanna stop just living for the world and live for Jesus, then I'm gonna ask you and our whole church to pray this simple prayer. But let this be a day where you trust Him. You trust Him to be your Father, you trust Him to be your guide, you trust Him to be your shepherd, you trust Him to be your Lord. 
Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus, today I put my trust in You. I declare because of the cross, I am forgiven in full. I am justified. I am a child of God. I now have relationship with God. Help me know You. Help me love You. Help me follow You for the rest of my days. I declare today, Your house is my house. Your Word is my light. Your Holy Spirit, my help. Thank You, Jesus, for forgiving me. If you pray that prayer today, with eyes closed, if you're online, make sure this is a prayerful moment. If you prayed that prayer with me today, would you quickly raise your hand, raise it up high all across this place. One, two, three, raise your hand. Raise it high, raise it high, raise it high. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, 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 thank you. That's awesome to see so many people raise your hand. Father, I pray for every hand right now. I pray for every heart, every home, every family. Lord God, would you bless your people? Would you pour out your favour and grace upon them? Lord, in Jesus' name, help them trust You. Help us trust You where we need to. In Your mighty name, I pray. Come on, Church Alive, you've received God's Word. Would you give the Lord a hand in the house? Amen. I believe everyone who serves Jesus gets a reward in heaven, but as a pastor's wife, I feel like mine should be bigger. (laughs) After some of the stuff he says, I want to die. But anyway. Jesus is good. Anyway, man, I was watching and I saw all those hands go up and this is why we do what we do. Eternity is a long time and it's just incredible that we get to welcome so many people into the family of God today. And so we have a gift for you. If you raised your hand to place your faith and give your life to Christ, we want to come alongside of you and help plant you in his house that you will thrive. His word in Psalm 92, 13 says, those who are planted, those who are planted in the house of God, they will thrive. They will flourish. And that's why we want to come alongside of you as you walk out of here today. You can pick up one of these books at our Next Steps counter. It's called Following Jesus. We also have a transform group that covers this material. You can text CONNECT7 to 97000. You can check off the box that says New Believers. And we have some great leaders that will lead you through this incredible book and what it looks like to follow our Savior, Jesus Christ. If you're online, you can also also text connect seven to 97,000 and you can check off the box accept Jesus and we will mail one of these to you and that's it guys this upcoming Tuesday registration for service opens so that you can register for your seats here on Sunday we love you guys we value you we're praying for you and believe the best is still ahead God bless you see you tomorrow well next week